Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. I'm Zach Rissler, joined by Michael Pratz, and we're going to be doing an awesome article today called Speckle Tracking Quantification of Lung Sliding for the Diagnosis of Pneumothorax, a Multicentric Observational Study. So this study was done out of France, except one uh, author from Italy. The study was to see if speckle tracking could help with the diagnosis of pneumothorax. So we know that ultrasound is great for finding pneumothorax. It's been shown to be better than x-ray for the diagnosis in numerous papers. The problem is that maybe it's not as easy to perform as everyone maybe says. Uh, Based on this idea, the authors hypothesized that a more quantitative measurement might be even more accurate. So they had the idea that using speckle tracking on the pleural line to visualize and measure the movement of the pleural sliding may help. Speckle tracking is a technology that recognizes unique tissue signatures and then tracks its movement over time. So splitting out a graphical waveform of the tissue movement. Its main use in clinical practice is in cardiac ultrasound using a wall motion abnormality and uh, check out our old ultrasound gel podcast on that. So in any case, the authors speculated that this technology was going to enhance the identification of abnormal lung sliding in the evaluation of pneumothorax. What a crazy idea. I think this is a really cool concept that we can use this technology that's meant for cardiac ultrasound and evaluating kind of the myocardial deformation. And now we're going to put that on the pleural line on ultrasound and see how that helps us with identifying pneumothorax. Crazy. Yeah, really thinking outside of the box, which I think is a a really cool part of this paper. So they had three main questions. Can pleural strain values in normal lung be differentiated from those patients with pneumothorax? Does the measurement of speckle tracking show good inner reliability? And is speckle tracking more accurate than B-mode for determining lack of lung sliding. And like Zach said, this was a multi-center trial. It says right there in the title. So this was two emergency departments and two intensive care units at three different hospitals in France. And their inclusion criteria were anybody diagnosed with a pneumothorax that also had a lung ultrasound performed, that also had a CT performed, which showed a unilateral pneumothorax. So these are patients with a unilateral pneumothorax that had ultrasound and CT. They were excluded if they had bilateral or, and this is an important exclusion criteria, if they did not have ultrasound clips that were to the high standards of the authors. So they had to be clips saved that were at least three seconds long and they needed to have cardiac monitoring on them. Furthermore, they only took images from four investigators. So if they were ultrasounds done by anybody else, automatically excluded. Now this was retrospective. So these patients had already had these diagnostic studies performed and they're just taking a look at this cohort to see if by adding on the speckle tracking, they could improve the accuracy. So let's take a look at how they did that. The way that it works is that in their settings, patients with a suspected pneumothorax generally receive cardiac and lung ultrasound. 
what happened was they would then look at the CT and compare the lung ultrasound to the CT. That's how they were able to get the accuracy of B-mode ultrasound. Then, after this had already been obtained, so not in real time, and we'll get back to that, they used this speckle tracking analysis software, which they put on the clips to look at the lung sliding. And the main outcomes that they were looking at here was accuracy, as described by your usual test characteristics, and they also want to do an ROC curve. And the way that they did that was they were going to do an analysis to find out what percentage of change yielded the highest accuracy and then see how well that performed. So as I said, any of the four study investigators could have done these ultrasounds. And it seemed that these were people that were fairly comfortable with lung ultrasound. One of them they mentioned is a fourth year resident who had received special training in speckle tracking, but otherwise their training isn't really well described here, which is important because not everybody is familiar with speckle tracking and it does take a little extra understanding of how to set it up. All the scans were done with a linear probe and their protocol was actually just a single anterior inferior space. So as you know, there's a lot of variability in how much lung can be scanned on these different lung protocols. They kept it simple, one area in the anterior inferior chest bilaterally. And this was the fourth or fifth intercostal at the mid cavicular line while the patients were supine, which as you know, when you're evaluating for pneumothorax, really important to be checking the least dependent part of the thorax. So that would change things. In any case, they just looked at that one spot and saw is there lung sliding or is there not lung sliding. Now actually, while we're on scan, not to keep you in suspense of the results, but I wanted to share a few tips to help you optimize your visualization of pleural sliding. And the way that I like to do this, even without speckle tracking, you can get a pretty good view. And so Step one is decrease your depth so you're just looking at the lung sliding. This is especially important if you're using a curvilinear transducer. Then turn your gain all the way down because the pleural line is the last man standing here. You're going to see it even with really low gain. Then I also turn down the dynamic range almost all the way. Again, you're just turning down the number of grays here so it makes it more easy to see that movement as subtle as it may be in the pleural line. If you still can't see it at that point, you can try adding power Doppler right over the pleural line. And what you're looking for there is to see that Doppler below the pleural line, but not above it. And that's called the power slide. So with all of those things, I think you can pick up even fairly subtle lung sliding. But I haven't tried the speckle tracking on there yet. So who knows, maybe that's even better. Zach, do you have any other pointers for looking at lung sliding in general? No, Mike, I think you hit the big points. I always uh, make sure that the depth is optimized. Uh, sometimes that is the biggest trick for me. Yeah, and if you can't seem to get a shallow depth like on the curvilinear probe, even using a zoom can be helpful. All right, so Zach, tell us what happened in these results. How did speckle tracking do for detecting a pneumothorax or lung sliding? So Mike, it did great. They scanned 52 people, 104 ultrasounds, so two sides per patient. They found that the speckle tracking 
uh, was nearly perfect. So it had a specificity of 100%, a sensitivity of 100%. So that would mean they had a positive likelihood ratio of infinite and a negative likelihood ratio of zero. Seems reasonable. Yeah, pretty good, huh? So they did this based on a cutoff of 4% on the speckle tracking. They found that the mean for abolished lung sliding was 1%, plus or minus 1. And for normal lung sliding, it was 46%, uh, plus or minus 32. So a pretty big range there. Okay, so you're saying that in normal lung sliding, there's a much more variability in how much it's actually moving, but it's almost always, or in this case, it is always above 4%. Correct. And I think that this is something that I would agree with based on normal lung sliding, not related to speckle tracking. We kind of just talked about how sometimes you can see a lot of lung sliding or sometimes you have to kind of change around your parameters to really see those kind of small changes with lung sliding. And how did speckle tracking compare to B mode, the classic way we look? Yeah, so the sensitivity of B-mode was 95%, so pretty good still, and the specificity was 100%. So speckle tracking just added some sensitivity, bringing that 95 up to 100. Correct. They also made um, note that there was no difference in mechanically ventilated patients, which I think is uh, important. They also compared each other, and they compared within each other. And so the intra-observer agreement was 0.88, but the inter-observer agreement was actually pretty low, it was 0.18. So not very good inter-observer agreement. And they talk about that in the limitations, so we'll get there. Any other findings that were important? Yeah, so one thing that really caught my eyes in the results is they stated that speckle tracking was faster than B-mode, um, but I don't really believe this. So they have great videos in the supplemental material that you should really check out. But it seems like it takes a long time. And when I am doing uh, pneumothorax scans, I can typically get them done in 10 to 15 seconds per side. So I would find it hard to believe that it was that much faster to do speckle tracking. Great point, especially uh, in the results, they mentioned that about 80% of these patients were in a trauma, so it's probably as part of an E-fast. So you definitely don't want to be messing around and wasting time doing these extra calculations. So maybe we can talk about that now. What were some other limitations to this study? So the biggest one, and it almost was uh, kind of like a mystery at the end, was that it turns out that this can't even be done in real time. So according to the authors, the speckle tracking software, which was originally designed for Echo, uh, can only use if the computer or software can find a ventricle and it can't be used with the linear probe. Bummer. Yeah, a real bummer. At this point, the technology isn't even available to look at these scans. So they're saying, do you want to find a way to make your accuracy 100%? Well, too bad you can't. Yeah, that's how I read it. They do mention that it is a limitation of the software, and this could be fixed pretty easily, it seems. Yeah, so just to be clear, it sounds like they were somehow able to hack this software so that they could use it on these 
clips much later after they were obtained. So they just were on their computers using the software, looking up the speckle tracking on these clips to get these test characteristics. Exactly. Some other limitations is they excluded more patients than they included. So there were 139 eligible for the study, and they excluded a total of 87. A lot of times they excluded because uh, there wasn't cardiac monitoring or the scans weren't done by the operators in the paper. However, I don't know why they necessarily needed cardiac monitoring. And I also think that they really made this the best case scenario kind of paper. Uh, they had skilled operators both reading the scans, doing the scans, doing the speckle tracking. And it makes me wonder if this is truly a perfect test uh, when you move it out to the whole population. Zach, I actually like when investigators take this approach of starting out with a novel application in like a best case scenario mode. So you take the best patients that are going to give you good clear results, you take the best operators who are really skilled, and then you know the ideal accuracy. In these studies, I think it's helpful to know what you can achieve, and then after this initial study that says, hey, it looks like this is pretty good when you're very selective, maybe the next step can be uh, trying it in a broader population of patients or a broader population of learners. So I'm okay with this as the, as the first study kind of breaking ground here. Now, one of my concerns, Zach, was is this fixing a problem that doesn't exist? I, I actually hadn't really been concerned that ultrasound was not that accurate for pneumothorax. And in most cases, I think it's very reliable and it seems to be a lot better than chest x-ray in most scenarios. So, I didn't know why we needed to do this, especially if it's going to slow things down or if it's going to involve purchasing more software or teaching a lot of people. What's your take? I don't necessarily think that this is a problem that needs fixing. I think that for the most part, ultrasound has been found to be really great for looking for pneumothorax. Um, and I don't necessarily think that we need another technology to figure out pneumothorax. Now, could this technology be used for other aspects of lung ultrasound? Maybe. And I think that that is really where we should be focusing this technology if we're going to be studying it further. The author's idea is that this is quantifying the lung sliding, which might be more helpful in people that are not used to doing lung sliding. So perhaps if somebody is not as skilled at it by having a little graphical representation that shows the lung has about 2% speckle tracking movement, then they could more easily say this is lack of lung sliding. So maybe if we change the population, the B mode accuracy would not be as high and the speckle tracking could remain high. One thing we can just mention briefly, I'm impressed that we went this whole podcast without mentioning M mode. Do you use M-Mode to look at pneumothorax? So I usually teach it to my early learners. I think there was a paper that just came out that showed that it is helpful in early learners, but as you get better with speckle tracking, or excuse me, as you get better with lung ultrasound, then it is not as necessary. So I teach it to my early learners as a tool to help them, but I don't routinely do it myself. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And I've been actually moving away from M mode in a lot of different things such as IVC or EPSS or lung sliding because I've come to see that if you see it, it's there. And if you don't see it, M mode's probably not going to help you. But I agree, maybe there is a place when you're just learning these scans. So let me summarize this study. This was a retrospective study from France, which included 52 patients and 104 ultrasounds. They looked at speckle tracking of the lung sliding to see how accurate it was for the abolition of lung sliding. And using a cutoff of 4%, they found a perfect specificity and sensitivity. We're talking area under the curve one. That is compared to a B mode sensitivity of 95%, specificity of 100%. So it outperformed B mode. There was poor inter-observer agreement, but otherwise things were looking pretty good for speckle tracking. Take home points. In this retrospective and carefully selected population, speckle tracking identified the abolition of lung sliding with perfect accuracy. We need some more research to see how this performs prospectively and with a broader range of operators and patients. And lastly, we are sad to say that this technology is not really available for most people using a linear probe. So you can't actually do this in real time yet, which is a big limitation of the technology. We do want to thank our authors because this is a really interesting and fascinating idea that shows a lot of promise for lung ultrasound in general. And thank you for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. If you want to find out more, go to ultrasoundgel.org. You can talk to us on Twitter or check out our Facebook page. And we will talk to you later. More. Pressure. More. Gel. More. Pressure. More. Gel. More. Ultrasound. Gel. 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 Gel.